All right, turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And tuning our verse-by-verse study. If you thought we'd have a Christmas uh, message this morning, we're doing that on Thursday night, so come on out for that. Uh, we are continuing to, and it's a God thing because we're going to teach this morning on preaching the word appropriately enough. Amen. Well, let's open with a word of prayer and then let's dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We do pray for the Gideon ministry. 71 million Bibles this year. Praise the Lord. Over 2 billion Bibles getting into people's hands. Thank you, Lord, for their ministry. May you continue to bless it, provide for them. We thank you for their faithful servants. And Lord, now as we go to your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we don't want the words or the opinions of man that's a waste of time, but we just ask that the word would minister to every heart. Give us attentive hearts, willing to receive all you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Grab your outline. We'll take a look at that. Um, But let me give you quickly... A little background as we move on into chapter four. We're not going to get very far this morning. You'll find out why, uh, because the first five, we're going to look at the first five verses. We'll look at the first chapter over the next or the entire chapter over the next two weeks. But as as a reminder, as we come to t- this morning's text, the Apostle Paul. This is his basically his last will and testament. This is the last book that he writes in the Bible. We know the Holy Spirit writes it, but he uses Paul, Paul to write it. This is the final chapter. So Paul's coming down to the very end of his life because he is sitting in a cave. He's been captured under Caesar Nero's reign, and he's in a position where his life is going to be taken from him. He's going to be beheaded for the cause of Christ. He writes this letter to Timothy during a time when Christians are being fed to lions. They're being covered in pitch and set on fire. There's great persecution within the church. Because of the persecution, a lot of people who claim to be Christians were falling away. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? And we find out that persecution doesn't, uh, you know, reveal Christianity as much. It reveals where we are in our relationship with the Lord. It shows who we really are, if we really know the Lord or not. And so what was happening was there's a great amount of persecution taking place. And this letter is written to Paul from Paul. And he had told Timothy in chapter in first Timothy not to quit. He said, you know, not to fear, not to be afraid, not to give up because Timothy, no doubt in the midst of great persecution was considering it. Now we get to the second to second Timothy, and again he's exhorting him that even though your life could be lost, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So Paul's final recorded words, these words are written by Paul, again from that cold, dark cave in prison, a time in which the early church was facing both outward uh, persecution and inward uh, desertion. Outside, they were being persecuted, and on the inside, they had people who were fleeing away, and then they also had false teachers that were creeping in. So Timothy's a pastor in the middle of all of this, and these words are coming from his pastor, who who had discipled him, and these are the words encouraging Timothy how he should stand in what, in their mind, was the last days. So along with outward persecution, there was inward desertion, and people who had claimed to be Christians were falling away in large numbers. And the truth is that most often persecution doesn't change the heart, but it simply reveals what's already in it. And only those who are truly sincere about their faith have been truly born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, have made Jesus more than just Savior, but Lord, who have an eternal perspective will remain steadfast in their faith in the face of great persecution. You know, the reality is I've never had more people attack me as a pastor. I've been a pastor for almost 33 years. I've never had more people attack me about anything I've done as a Christian than the fact that we're having church right now. 
The fact that we're open. I get emails, I get texts, I've told that I don't love my neighbor, that I'm going to stand accountable before Almighty God on Judgment Day. And here's the reality. I know I'm going to stand before God on Judgment Day, and that's why we're having church, and that's why we will continue to have church, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And we're to forsake not the gathering ourselves together, and all the more as the day approaches. Amen? We're not to, we're not to be afraid. We're not to walk in fear. Now, I'm not saying everybody who stays home is walking in fear. That's not the case. Some have pre-existing conditions, and I praise God we have live stream, and praise God we can reach those people. But at the same time, our world needs the truth. The world needs the Word of God, and we need fellowship. Amen? And so we're living in the last days, and the time for Jesus' incarnation from the day he came until the end of time is referred to in Hebrews as the lost days. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. In chapter 3, he warned them that there would be perilous times, times of stress in the last days. That men would be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's, that describes our country, doesn't it? And so we are living in the midst of it, and he's encouraging Timothy on how to stand in it. He said they'll have a form of godliness, but denying its power, outward religion without inward transformation. Guys, going to church doesn't make you saved any more than jumping in the ocean makes you a fish. Can I get an amen? Or being in a garage makes you a car, being in a donut shop makes you a cop, whatever kind of analogy you want to use. <laughs> Showing up to church doesn't make you a Christian. But we should be in fellowship. Amen. He goes on in chapter three to tell us it's not only describes the world, but the church in the last days, the false teachers will creep into households and draw people away who are biblically ignorant and are willing to follow a lie. Why do we, why do we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the whole counsel of God? Because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Paul, in the first pastor's conference ever to the church at Ephesus, where Timothy is now pastoring, said, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Guys, we need to teach the word of God and nothing else. Amen? Not books about the Bible, but books in the Bible. Amen? Not the thoughts of men, but the word of God. And so he's exhorting Timothy in a time like this, when false teachers abound, in the last half of chapter 3, he said to remain steadfast in what he had learned from the Apostle Paul, not from the world, to follow the example he had seen in the Apostle Paul, not the world's example, to remain steadfast in the word of God as the source of wisdom unto salvation, and to preach faith in Christ. And the source of equipping for Christians is that all scripture is given by God, by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, what is right, reproof, what is not right, correction is how to get right, and instruction, how to stay right. That pretty much covers it. Amen? So now as we come to chapter 4, all those things have been, uh, he's been exhorted, and now here we go. These are the final words of the Apostle Paul. You know, I've been with a lot of people nearing death. I've been with a few as they died. And it's amazing how the final words of people carry a lot of weight. And I shared with you guys that when my dad went to heaven three years ago, I was leaving. He was living in Hawaii with my brother. He and my mom both had dementia and Alzheimer's. And I would go every six weeks to visit my dad. And, and one of my last trips there, well, actually the last time I saw him alive was uh, 
I was leaving and God put it on my heart to go back in and talk to my dad. And I got on my knee and I sat there and talked to my dad for about a half an hour. And I just shared with him how much I loved him. And he shared his final words that I would hear him speak. And they ministered to my heart. And when people are speaking their final words, they're, they're, there's, there's a serious tone that, that we need to be listening. Amen. And so here's his final words. What, what were Jesus' final words when he was ascending back into heaven? What did he say? Go, go what? Go therefore into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Back. So he, he, it was the great commission. He told him to go out and preach the gospel. Amen. And now Paul's preaching his final, giving his final words to Timothy, who's going to remain his son in the faith, who's still going to be there as Christians are being fed to lions, as they're going through great tribulation and great difficulty and great persecution. Grab your outline. I told the message. This will be over the next two Sundays. Living for the Lord in the last days. How should we respond in the midst of outward persecution and inward apathy? How should we respond to a hostile world and a lukewarm church? First of all, stand for the truth. Preach the word with boldness. Even as those around you turn their ears away to follow a lie. We're going to go over these. Be ready in season, out of season. What does that mean? Be watchful. Endure afflictions for the sake of the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Be faithful to the calling God has placed upon your life. Pastor Joshua, every week, as you guys raise your hands, if you're a Christian, and says, be faithful to the calling God's placed upon you. It's a blessing to see Roger being faithful and Tom being faithful to the calling God's placed upon their life in the Gideons. Amen? And we all need to be faithful what God's called us to do. Next week, we'll look at fight the good fight. Remain faithful even as those around you are faithless. Find comfort and fellowship and the word of God. Love others enough to warn them about those who would bring them harm and to forgive those who have let you down. And then find strength in the Lord's presence, his deliverance, and the promise of heaven. So let's begin there. We're just going to look at the first five verses this morning. Um, the way that I, if you're new to our church, the way that I, I know I have enough I know when I'm done is when I get to about 45 or 50 pages of notes. So 50, 40, 48 pages of notes, we're looking at five verses. Amen? So let's begin there. It says there, so now he's, he's told them that the word of God is good for all scripture, is given by inspiration of God, verse 16 of chapter 3, and it's profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. And then he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I charge you therefore, the word charge there in Greek is to testify under oath, to solemnly affirm. Paul wanted Timothy to understand just how serious what he was about to tell him was. I charge you. So you get, you know, I almost feel like he's grabbing a hold of Timothy by the shoulders and he's telling him to listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is the most important thing I can stress to you, Timothy, as my time is limited. Paul's final words before he's executed, the current state of the world and the church, and most importantly, he would one day stand before the Lord and be judged. How of you guys know that there's a day coming when we will all stand before the Lord? If you're a born-again Christian, you will not be judged for your sin because it's been paid for. Can I get a praise God for that? All of our sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. We've been forgiven. But what we will be judged for if you're born again, you will be judged for how faithful you've been to use the gifts that God has given you, how faithful you've been to the calling that he's placed upon your life. Now, if you don't know the Lord, you will be judged for your sin. And like the rest of us in the room, you will be found to be a sinner. Amen? 
And if you have not been forgiven, if you have not repented of your sin, if you have not surrendered your life to the Lord, you will spend eternity separated from Almighty God in a place of eternal torment. And the reality is that Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Can I get an amen? And the desire is that none should perish, no, not one. And salvation is offered universally, but it must be accepted individually. So he says, I charge you, therefore, again, linking back to the previous chapter, when you see therefore, you ask, what's it? Therefore, he's saying in light of what I've just talked to you about in the last three chapters, in light of what I've encouraged you to do with the word of God, he says, the word of God makes a man wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It reveals to men his need for salvation. How he can be saved is a key to growing faith and a deeper, more fruitful walk. Again, doctrine, what is right, reproof, what is not right, correction, how to get right, instruction, how to stay right. In light of the, his powerful way God uses his word, we need to be students of it. How many of you need to read the Bible more than you're reading it right now? Amen. I tell people often, God made me a pastor because he knew I needed to be in the Bible 40 to 50 hours a week. And I need it, and I need to be there, and it holds me accountable because I'm never going to get up here unprepared. So when I share with you for an hour, it's about 20 to 25 hours between me and the Lord. That's where it comes from. And I, you know what? I feel like I get to learn the most because I'm in it the most, and I'm thankful for that. It's a get to, not a have to. Amen? But I will say this. Isn't it hard sometimes to open your Bible? Anybody going to say amen to that? Amen. I used to compare it to going to the gym. You know, going to the gym was always hard, but I was always blessed when I got there because it was always worth it. And I've never opened my Bible and been disappointed. I love the word of God. It's, it's, it transforms our lives. And guys, if we just, if you have to find your Bible on Sunday, if you don't know where it is on Sunday, you're not reading it enough Monday through Saturday. Amen. I want to encourage you to begin your day in the word of God. And notice what he says there. Therefore, before God, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the most important people here today is not me and it's not you. It's the Lord. Amen. We're two more gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of us. Jesus is the guest of honor. That's why when we sing praise songs, we're not singing to each other. We're singing to the Lord. Amen. He is, he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Almighty God, the Prince of Peace. He's the reason that we live and move and breathe. We need to love him more than we love anything else. And how do we get to know him better? By spending time in his word. The word of God will help you better know the God of the word. And the more you know him, the more you're going to love him. Can I get an amen to that? So you want to love God more, you want to have deeper faith, spend more time in the word of God. And he says there that he will be stand before the Lord. Do you ever think about the moment you will stand before the Lord? I would encourage you, you should think about it more often. I often kind of envision living my life backwards. What I mean by that is I envision myself standing before the Lord and I know that I have not done all that I've been called to do. Can anybody else agree with that besides me? And at that moment, it's going to be too late. But I kind of put myself in that moment and realize, but it's not too late now. Amen? And I envision standing before the Lord one day, knowing all that he has called me and gifted me to do, and have I been faithful or not. I want to encourage you to take a look at what, and think about that moment when you'll stand before the creator of the universe. Guys, here's the reality. God's always watching and he's always listening. Amen? He knows when we're being faithful. By the way, uh, Santa doesn't do that. The Lord does. <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? Didn't mean to bully, burst your bubble this morning, but uh, it's not about Santa. It's happy birthday, Jesus. Amen. 
But notice what it says about the Lord. It says he will judge. You know, we know that he will judge between the living and the dead. Not only is Jesus watching and listening, but he will be the one judge, Timothy, for the content of his message. Sobriety should come with the knowledge that God is present not only at every church meeting or Bible study, but he's with us every moment of every single day. When you're at work, the Lord is with you. When you're in school, the Lord is with you. When you're driving in your car, the Lord is with you. When you're at the grocery store, the Lord is with you. When you're in your homes, at the dinner table, as we sit in front of the TV or as we sit in front of our computers, or as we're looking at our cell phones, the Lord is with us. Amen? And be mindful of the fact that we are accountable to him. One day we will stand before him and be judged. He's exhorting, again, his son in the faith that you've got a vapor of time to be about it, and one day you're going to stand before God. And his judgment's the only one that matters. Unbelievers will be judged for their unrepentant sin, and Christians for our faithfulness to use the gifts God has given us. Timothy's a pastor teacher. His calling was to equip the saints to the work of the ministry. And you know what? The Bible says not, not many of you be teachers. Because you will be held to a higher level of accountability. And I want to tell you, if you ever know, you, you don't notice because you're worshiping, but during the last song before I get up here to teach, every time I've taught for 33 years, I'm praying and crying out, please, Lord, you've got to show up. Less of me and more of you. Please, Lord, if you don't show up, this is going to be a mess. Please, Lord, help. Guys, if we ever cease to be desperate for God, we'll cease to be usable by God. Amen. And it's the person who's humble. It's a Lord, please, you have to show up. We need the Lord to show up in our marriages. We need the Lord to show up in our parenting. We need the Lord to show up in our workplaces. We need the Lord. Because without him, we can do nothing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God's presence should cause Timothy to examine the content of his message and help him to stand up against false teaching. God's presence frees us from the fear of men, not who we are before men, but who we are before God that matters. I love you all. You are so precious to me. I count you as my family. I go through the church directory. I'm praying for you every week. I pray for you as you come to mind. I, there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be. There's no church I'd rather pastor. This is the great, I, I feel like I have the highest and the greatest calling I could ever have in my life. And I am so blessed that I get to do this. And that being said, God's called me not to worry about what you think what God says. Can I get an amen to that? My heart is to know that you're loved. I, hope, I pray you know that I love you guys. I pray that you know how precious you guys, every one of you are to me. But when I stand up here, I'm not worried about whether or not you're going to like me when the message is over. I'm concerned about being obedient to what God has called me to do. Amen. And God is the same thing for all of us. Everybody here, you've been given gifts. And are you, have you buried it in the sand? Are you using the gifts God's given you for his kingdom and for his glory? Are you spending time in the word of God? Are you closer to the Lord today than you were a month ago or a year ago? As we grow in the Lord, we should be getting closer to him and become more like him. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It keeps us out of trouble and it keeps us away from compromise. Amen. When we fear God, it keeps us out of trouble and it keeps us out of compromise. You know one of the biggest problems in the church today, biggest problems in, the, in our country for sure, is we don't fear God enough. Amen? We don't have the reverence for God that we should. His name is used more in our country for a curse word than in an act of worship. And we need to fear God more. 
He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is faithful. I, I can't I imagine we will be around his throne one day and I can't wait. And you hear me say it often. Heaven's way better than you think. And God is way greater than you can imagine. Amen. And we need to have a fear of God because it's then and only then that we have wisdom. I don't fear the government. I fear God. Amen. I don't fear our governor. I fear God. I don't fear, I don't fear anything that the world can dish out. I fear almighty God because that's what we will be. If, if he's telling Timothy to preach, knowing he could be fed to lions, I'm thinking we ought to have church, even though they tell us we shouldn't be seeing each other face to face. Can I get an amen to that? We want to honor God, not men. Now we obey the government until the government tells us to disobey God. And then we obey God. Whom shall we obey? God or man. Or man. It says there of the Lord, he will bring judgment upon the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul lived in anticipation of Christ's return for his church. He will judge, the word there means about to be judging. Paul living in hope and anticipation of the Lord's soon return. Paul is solemnly imploring Timothy to stand for the truth in light of the fact of the transforming power it has on people's lives. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been able to lead someone to the Lord in your lifetime. How many of you have been able to share your faith and see someone respond? Look, we don't save anybody. God does all the saving. Amen. But we are tools in the hands of the master. And guys, there's nothing better in the world than seeing somebody who is spiritually dead, come to know Jesus Christ, be born again, become a new creation in Christ. And all the angels in heaven rejoice. The Bible says when even one person gives their life to the Lord. Amen. It doesn't get any better than that. And you know what? We miss out because too often we're afraid to speak up because we fear men more than we fear God. We're afraid to share our faith. We're afraid to talk to people because we might not have the, where did Cain get his wife? I don't know. You know, we, have, we might have a question we can't answer. But I want to encourage you, the one thing we can all do, here's who I was and then I met Jesus and here's who I am now. And that's called your testimony. Amen. And there needs to be uh, an urgency in our hearts. And he's exhorting Timothy that you're called to share with the lost that they might be saved. And you're called to disciple believers into deeper faith. So how was Paul to, how was Timothy to fulfill his charge? What did Timothy, what was Timothy supposed to do? He said, you be faithful to the, I charge you to be faithful to the calling God's placed upon your life. So how was he supposed to do that? You think I might like these next three words? Look what it says. What does it say? Preach the word. The word preach there means to herald. In Paul's day, a ruler had a a special herald who made announcements to the people. The ruler would give him the words to say, and he would go out and he would go from, you know, throughout the city and he would just shout it at the top of his lungs. He didn't interpret it. He didn't change it. He didn't give meaning behind it. He just spoke what he had been given and he spoke it without compromise and he spoke it with boldness. And that's what pastors are called to do. And that's what we are, as Christians are called to do when we share our faith with others. We don't share our opinions. We don't share our thoughts. We don't try to water it down so it sounds better to the hearer. We just take what the word of God says and we deliver it with truth and we do it in love. Can I get an amen? And that's what he's saying here. Timothy, preach 
the word. He was commissioned by the ruler, this herald, to make his announcements in a loud, clear voice so that everyone could hear. He was not an ambassador with the privilege of negotiating. He was a messenger with a proclamation to be heard and heeded. Messengers relaying the ruler's words carried the ruler's authority. Guys, when we open up the Bible and we teach it, we're teaching this is coming from the, the God's authority. Amen? So we teach the word of God. It comes with the authority of almighty God as it goes forth with power. Timothy was to herald God's word with the authority of heaven behind him. And notice it says, preach the word, the word of God, not the opinions of men, not to preach about the word or from the word. The word was to be the content of the message, not just from the word, but the entire word, the whole counsel of God. And this is Paul's constant, constant emphasis to Timothy throughout this letter. Let me remind you some verses we've already looked at. In chapter 1, verse 8 of 2 Timothy, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, Hold fast to the pattern of sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, The things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Rightly dividing the word of truth. In 2.24, he says, A servant of the Lord must be able to teach. And then in chapter 3, verse 16, I read at the beginning of this message, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So what's Timothy supposed to preach? The word of God. Here's what's happening in a lot of churches today. We're taking a verse, often out of context, and creating a message around it. And it's hard to even know. I, I'll be driving in my car. I'll be listening to Christian radio. I'm 15 minutes in, and I haven't heard a verse. And that concerns me. Can I get an amen to that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the words of men. It's the whole counsel of God. And we're to teach the word of God. And here's what's happening. There's churches right now that have a secret sensitive model. When they plant their church, they send out surveys to the neighborhood. What do you want in a church? I want a petting zoo. I want a fog machine. You know, I want, I want, I want to be entertained. And too many churches today are entertaining for an hour and spending 30 seconds in the word of God. And sadly, what's happening is we're, we're trying to tailor the message to meet the, the wants of a lost and a dying world. Guys, we don't need the world to tell us what they need. The word of God has told us what they need. And what they need is Jesus. Amen? Amen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we must not water it down. I'm tired of opening up and hearing seven steps to financial freedom or three ways to overcome your anger. or Beaver doesn't live here anymore. The series or the roller coaster ride of life or how to oh, stop it. Just teach the Bible. Amen? Amen. We got a letter from almighty God. Can you imagine if a meteor came, you know, I'm just, this is, I get serious with youth group. A meteor comes out of the sky and it comes into your backyard and explodes and puts a big hole in the ground and you go out in the back and there's a, you know, a golden plate on there and it says a letter from God for and it's got your name on it. And you opened it up and there it was. Would you read it? Can I get an amen? Well, actually, I'll just leave that there and go listen about five ways to overcome my anger. Or I'll go, let me go listen to, you know, the, the you know, I'm the missing puzzle piece in the, in the jigsaw puzzle of life. Just stop it. Teach the Bible. Can I get an amen? It's God's word that transforms our lives. Timothy was to preach the word. Now, when was he to preach it? When was he to preach it? Look what it says there. Be ready in season and out of season. 
You know what that means? In season means when they want to hear it. Out of season means when, means when they don't want to hear it. In season means when it's popular. Out of season means when it's not popular. You know, a guy once told me, Pastor Dave, all you do is preach the Bible. I said, I only preach it two seasons. <laughs> in season and out of season. Amen. Right now, the word of God is kind of out of season in our country. And guess what? We need to preach it as much when it's not popular. Preach it as much when it's being condemned, if not more than when it is popular. Can I get an amen to that? So he's telling Timothy, preach it when they're chasing you. They're threatening to kill you with lions. Preach it when you might be set on fire. Preach it when you're being attacked. Preach it when it's been outlawed. Preach it when they reject it. Preach it when they say it's a lie. Preach it when they attack the word of God. Preach it when they go after your family. Preach it when the enemy comes after you. We need to preach it, preach it, and preach it some more. Can I get an amen to that? The word ready is to be instant, diligent, urgent, not just one who sticks back and only responds when pressed upon. One of the first things I teach our assistants is this verse, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? If I get sick on the way to church, you're up and you better be ready. Can I get an amen? And we're all called to be ready to share your faith in the grocery store. Be ready when you have a divine appointment at the mailbox. Be ready when, when God brings someone to your front door and you can hand them a Gideon Bible. Be ready for those opportunities when it's popular and when it's not. When it's wanted and when it's not. When people are, are anxious to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. Sense means chomping at the bit to give out the word. Be ready, be instant, be diligent. I was assistant pastor for 15 years and I would always have a message with me whenever I was going to be in the service because you never knew what was going to happen. Many times I would be teaching youth group. It's Calvary San Jose and the church is a large church, 3,000 people. And I'd be teaching the youth group and they'd run up and say, Pastor Don's throwing up in the bathroom. You're up right now. Let's go. And you walk down and you better be ready. Amen. And guys, are we ready? Are you ready to share the hope that lies within you? Are you prepared to share your faith? And he's telling Timothy, in season and out of season, when it's easy, when it's not, when it's eagerly received, when it's rejected, any time of day or night, any time of year, under any circumstances, during the times, these last days, in the midst of persecution, when there's inward apathy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, don't water it down. Guys, the message... Uh, uh, is consistent with the word of God, not the wishes of sinful men. Paul preached the word before riotous crowds. I love Paul. Man, you got to love Paul. Can I get an amen? By the way, if Paul was here, would church be open at his church? You think they'd be having fellowship or we'd all be hiding? Can I get an amen? Well, he's telling Timothy, it's not a virus. It's lions. Okay, it's, it's a government that wants you all dead. Nero had burned Rome to the ground and blamed it on the Christians. They were the arch enemy of everybody. And he said to continue to teach the whole counsel of God. But Paul would be arrested. You guys remember this? He's being drugged away. There's a riotous crowd shouting for his death. He gets up and he's elevated up on top of a place and they're dragging him away. And he looks down and he's like, whoa, audience. And he starts preaching the gospel to the people that want him dead. He's, he's chained up in prison. He gets chained to people for 12 hours at a time. As soon as the, the, the you know, handcuffs go down, they get locked together. He's like, dude, 12 hours, divine appointment. So let me tell you about Jesus. Can I get an amen? Where are you going? He probably started in Genesis. He had 12 hours. He could teach the whole counsel of God. He preached it on a, on a stormy sea. He taught it in temple courts, in season and out of season. Preaching was to be marked by these three elements. Look what he says. 
Be ready in season, out of season. Convince. The word convince there in Greek means to reprove. It's an element of correction. It's part of a pastor's calling to correct both false teaching and sinful living. And I want to tell you this. I love you guys enough. Look, we need to be loving enough to put our arm around somebody and say, bro, sis, I love you. But I see what's going on in your life. And you need to repent. You need to get your life right with the Lord because if you don't, consequences are going to be heavy. Can I get an amen to that? And I've been the person with my arm around the people and I've been the one with someone having their arm around me. Amen? And there's times in our lives when he's saying to Timothy, you need to preach in such a way to convince, to reprove. It's an element of correction. We're not to ignore or be indifferent about false teachers, false doctrine, or sinful behavior. One of the things that's become bothersome to me as well is our church is just turning away, turning a, a blind eye to sinful behavior, acting like it's no big deal. Let me make it really clear. Sin's a big deal. Can I get an amen? Such a big deal that Jesus had to go to the cross and suffer and die for it. And we live in, we, I'll never forget this. I was in a Christian bookstore when I was pastoring in Santa Cruz. It was a very large bookstore. And this gal was there and the guy who owned the bookstore was talking to her. And it was Father's Day and she was looking for a Father's Day card and she was very pregnant. And he was, and I was standing there looking for a Father's Day card for my dad. And the gal, he said, oh, where do you fellowship? She goes, so we used to fellowship at this church over here. But they kind of gave us a hard time because we're living together. We're not married and we're having a baby. And she said, so we went over to this church, and they don't seem to care. And when the church he was going to that didn't seem to care, the pastor was a good friend of mine, and I called him up and said, Hey, bro, let me just give you an idea how they feel about the way you're teaching. Because you're doing seven steps of financial freedom, and you're not dealing with the fact that sin is not okay, and there needs to be repentance. Can I get an amen to that? Now, look, everybody is welcome here. I don't care what life, what you're going through. You're welcome here. We're glad you're here. That being said, if you're living in open rebellion against God, if you think it's okay, if you think you can be in rebellion against God and in fellowship with God at the same time, you're wrong. Amen? Rebellion and fellowship, choose one. And here's the reality. We need to love you enough to preach the word of God with boldness so that you are convicted. He's saying convince both the false, the false teaching, but also those living in sinful behavior that it's not okay. You've heard me say it many times. One more time won't hurt. The word of God is not a wall to keep us out of Disneyland. It is a guardrail to keep us from driving off a cliff. Amen? God doesn't want to keep us from fun. He wants to keep us from harm. And you know what, and I'll tell you, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is when I see someone going down the wrong road and you stand in front of them and you plead with them, destruction is coming and they keep driving in that direction anyway. It breaks your heart. If it breaks my heart, how much more does it break the heart of God? Amen? And so he's telling them, you need to convince them. Then he says, along with convince, rebuke. To admonish one who is living in rebellion and unrepentant sin. Someone who's become comfortable in their sin. It's much easier just to tell people how wonderful they are. Oh, you're so wonderful. God's so, uh, just so blessed to have an amazing person like you on his side. What would he do without you? Uh, those words will never be spoken from here. It's not what would, we do, would he do without you. What would we do without him? Amen. He doesn't need us. We need him. We need the Lord. 
And the word again to rebuke is to admonish one who is living in rebellion and unrepentant sin. And again, it's much easier just to tell people how wonderful they are and to ignore their sinful behavior. Again, the word rebuke is to reprove cuttingly and severely those who will not abandon their sin. By the way, it's not something a pastor wants to do. It's not something a Christian wants to do. Are you really excited to go have to confront somebody in their sin? And have to have a hard conversation with them. It's not something we want to do. But if we love people, we'll do it, even if it's difficult. Can I get an amen to that? Can I love people enough to come and say, because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because I love you, I want to warn you that this rebellion continues. It's going to end up in a bad way. Whether it's you don't know the Lord and you're separated from for all eternity. Or you're a Christian and your walk with the Lord is falling apart and the consequences are coming. We must obey God should be done, by the way, in love, but always without compromise. We're never self-righteous. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Can I get an amen to that? We don't go around, you know, pointing fingers like we're perfect because we're not. We're all, how many sinners we got in the room? Okay. We're all sinners saved by grace. We've been forgiven. But at the same time, we need to exhort people, love them enough to preach the truth and to rebuke them in their sin. Then he says they're exhort. Uh, someone said I have the gift of exhortation one time, I think. But it just means to encourage, to invite, to invoke people, implore them to action. Those who have grown weary to, to holy living and to stand for God. I love this old quote that I found years ago. He said, preachers should afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. They should afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And what he means by that is there should be an exhortation, a call to holy living for those who are comfortable, and then bring comfort to those who are hurting. And that's what the word of God does. It comforts the hurting, but it, it brings you know, affliction, it brings direction, it brings correction to those who are living outside of God's will. If there's, if there's no conviction, if there's is conviction but no remedy, we add to people's burdens. And if we encourage those who ought to be rebuked, we are assisting them in their sin. I've shared this before. One of the churches, a place that I had pastored, I, there was a guy in our church. I could not believe the gall of this guy. I was absolutely shocked. I'm standing up to teach. And he and his wife are separated because of what he's, he had been cheating on with another woman. And his wife is sitting over here with his kids and he's sitting over here with his girlfriend. At church, and I get up to teach, and I'm like, and I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, we need to do another worship song. Could you get back, get back up here? I said, you too, I need to see you. Went in and said, bro, this ain't happening here. You are not going to openly flaunt your rebellion and your sin against your wife in front of the whole church and think this is okay. Can't do that. Can I get an amen to that? And too many churches today, oh, just kumbaya and act like that's not a big deal and it's, not, it's no problem. But I'm like, I, you know, and he goes, that was embarrassing. You, I said, you know what's embarrassing is the fact that you thought you could show up here and it would be okay. Can I get an amen to that? Dude, that's not okay. We love you, but your sin is not okay. His poor wife sitting there with his three kids. She's in tears. And, she, and he goes, well, you're on her side. I said, all day. Absolutely. I'm 100% on her side. And God's on her side, not yours. You're in rebellion. You need to repent and you guys need to leave. But, but, but hey, if you guys want to come in, we'll, I'll counsel with you, but you're not going to sit in the front row and act like you can live in rebellion and be in fellowship with God's people at the same time. That doesn't work. Amen. 
Biblical preaching must be balanced. Timothy was to hold up the word of God against the lives of his people and let God do his work. Then it says there, with all long suffering. He's to be patient with those he's called to minister to. You won't always see immediate results. The results are up to God. You know that, right? I was sharing this with some people last night. I had a a, a boss. I've shared this before. A Muslim boss I worked with for 15 years and prayed for her. And it wasn't until I almost died and was in a coma and went through the trials I went through. And she saw how God showed up in a mighty way that she came to our church and eventually got saved. Guys, we need to keep praying and loving on people because the results are up to God, not up to us. Amen. And sometimes we're going to pray for people and and they don't repent. But we keep praying. And sometimes you're the only one praying. Amen. We must persevere. We must be steadfast, even if it comes to those who are difficult to deal with. There are people that are difficult. Shocker. Can I get an amen? There's people that are hard to deal with. There's people that have been to every pastor in town. Uh, It's amazing. People will show up at your church and tell you, well, I've been to this church and I've been to that church and that pastor's a jerk 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 and that pastor's a jerk. And I'm like, well, you'll be calling me a jerk in 45 minutes. Just have a seat. Because the reality is, if you're looking for someone to condone your sin, you're going to have a hard time finding them. And if it's the pastor's fault, if it's the word of God's fault, if it's the Holy Spirit's fault, if it's God's fault, uh, then you need to repent because it's not God's fault, it's your fault. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to have patience. And then it says teaching. And the word teaching there is the word for doctrine. Above all, he must preach doctrine or truth. More than just telling stories, relating interesting illustrations, or read a verse and then forget where he was. We call it astronaut preaching. They read the verse, then they leave the text only to return at the end of the message, right? They just depart. They're chasing rabbits. They're telling you 15 different stories. When you know more about their family than you know about the Lord, you need to find another church. Amen. When you know about their, more about their hobbies and what their favorite things are than what the word of God says, it's trying to find another fellowship. When, when they've got one pet doctor and they love to, to pound on all the time and they're not teaching the whole counsel of God, it's time to find another church. True preaching is a, an explanation and an application of biblical truth. Observe it. What does it say? Interpret it. What does it mean? Apply it to your life. Observe it, interpret it, apply it. Observe it, interpret it, apply it. If you just remember that, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm sharing you what it says, I tell you what it means, and I apply it to your life. And that's what it means to teach the truth, teach doctrine. Now, why does he need to convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching? Here's why, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. The word endured, hold up oneself against to put up with. He said they, and he's talking about they, he's talking about people that are professing Christians. There'll be a time when those who say they're Christians, people who go to church, people who are religious will what will they do? It says they will, they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't like that the word of God cramps my lifestyle. Another boss I had years ago, I would talk about the Lord a lot to her. We had a Bible study at work and she said, you know, I'd become a Christian, but I'd have to give up liquor. And I'm like, really? So that's what you want to go to hell for? Alcohol? Is that the thing that's too, more important to you than the Lord? 
Really? And the sad part is that there's a time when, when people who are professing Christians will not endure sound doctrine because sound doctrine cramps their lifestyle. Sound doctrine doesn't agree with the life that they want to live. So they don't want to hear it. So they'll find a church that lets them continue in their sin and feel comfortable in it. And, and Lord help the pastors who are preaching in those churches. Amen. Time will come when professing Christians will not want their lives measured by the word of God, will no longer put up with it, that which brings conviction by shining a light on sinful behavior. The Bible says that the, the cross is a, it's a task, or the law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. It's a schoolmaster. Rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to use God's word to bring conviction, conviction producing repentance, they won't endure that or put up with any teaching that produces conviction. They don't want to give up their sinful behavior. They don't want to give up the throne of their lives. And that's not, it's a tragic thing because, again, God's word is not keeping you from fun. It's keeping you from harm. Amen? And so it's important that we not allow the desires of our flesh to keep us from heeding what the word of God says. Notice what it says there at the end. It says they will heap up for themselves false teachers. And again, according to their own desires, rather than being changed by the word, will attempt to change the word to fit their desires. People keep coming out and saying, nowhere in the Bible does it speak against whatever sin they're involved in. Oh, the Bible, Jesus never said there was anything wrong with same-sex marriage. Jesus never said there's anything wrong with homosexuality. Jesus never said there's anything wrong with, with polygamy. Jesus never said there's anything wrong with this. And the truth is the word of God does condemn all of those things. But what happens is we try to take our lifestyle and make the word of God conform to it. We don't get our lifestyle to conform the word of God. We need the word of God to conform our lifestyle. Can I get an amen? The word of God conforms us, not the other way around. They elevate their desires above the word of God, again, because they have itching ears. Itching ears means always looking for something new. Oh, did you hear about the new word? Oh, we got to fly up to Toronto. They're having a new word. Oh, there's a revival down in Florida. Oh, there's gold dust coming down during worship up at this church over here. And people are running, looking for the new word. Guys, if it's new, it's not true. Amen? And if it's true, it's not new. They will heap up for themselves teachers, it says there at the end. And again, the word, I love this, the word heap up is accumulate in piles. They will accumulate false teachers in piles. False teachers will be available in mass. Uh, the demand creates the supply. Teachers that don't rebuke the flesh, but nurture it. The desire to be rich, lovers of money, they'll find a teacher who will feed that desire. Lovers of self will find a teacher who will feed their ego rather than confront them with their sin and their man-centered gospel. The lovers of pleasure will, te will teachers who will turn God into a holy Santa Claus who exists only to give you what you demand. Your desires for riches, for self, and for pleasure rather than being broken and desperate for God. Guys, we're living in such days. There are a lot of churches that, you know, recently somebody was going to get married in a church and they had called me and, they, and I was going to do their wedding. And then they found out, you know, like, well, yeah, that church is kind of apostate, but my, you know, we've had three generations get married there. And, and, and then they called and they said they wouldn't have, let them have the wedding there. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm glad they didn't, they're not having the wedding there because you shouldn't give them any money to keep that apostate church open anyway. Can I get an amen to that? Well, Pastor Dave, that's not very loving. You know what? I love God. I love the Lord and his people enough. And I want to see people saved so much that I'm happy when a church that's teaching a false doctrine closes. Can I get an amen to that? Apostle, uh, uh, Pastor Chuck said that 
every church, you know, movements become memorials and their buildings become monuments to what once was as soon as they get away from the word of God. As soon as the word of God ceased to be the central focus, as, as soon as it's, it's no longer about Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead, what do we have? We have something that draws people away from the Lord instead of drawing people to the Lord. Amen? And guys, we don't want to prop those things up. Timothy, Timothy, as the false teachers and their followers multiply, don't you wilt under the pressure. Stand for the truth. Stay faithful to your calling. Be faithful when no one wants to hear it. Teach knowing that God is listening. Amen? That's what he's telling him. Verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Once people reject the truth of God's word, there's nothing left but lies. It isn't that he believes in nothing, but they will fall for anything. Guys, if you don't know what the word of God says, you'll fall for anything. And by the way, a lot of the false teachers, it sounds... Very spiritual. They'll use some of the same terms, but they have different meanings. You know, the Jesus of the Mormon church is the brother of Satan. The Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses is Michael the Archangel. You know, they're, they're not the God of the Bible. Amen? So just because they use religious terms or use biblical terms doesn't mean that they teach what the Bible teaches. So how do we know the difference? We've got to spend time in it for ourselves. People would rather believe in a fable... That the universe came about random change than to believe in the simple truth of the gospel. By the way, evolution is the lie of the devil. I got one amen from Terry. I'm glad somebody agrees with me. <laughs> it did not go from the goo to the zoo to you. Can I get an amen to that? It was not by random chance. The second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, the, the, the law of biogenesis all reject evolution. Let me tell you why people believe in evolution. Because if they believe in evolution, they don't have to believe in a creator. If they don't believe, have to believe in a creator, they don't have to confess their sin and recognize their lifestyles are not acceptable. I believe they would believe in creation if they could do it without a cross. But they want to believe it's a, it. You know, they even have Darwin fish. Ever see those on the back of people's cars? <laughs> got a Jesus fish with Darwin in it and feet on the bottom of it. And Lord, forgive me, but I want to say survival of the fittest. Let's see how that works out. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. Pray for them. Can I get an amen? Pray for them. Pray for, is that not mocking God? Is that not mocking God? And it's a fable and people want to believe it. I was sitting on a plane flying back from Russia or India or somewhere. And this lady sat next to me and she found out I was a pastor. She said, well, my, my, my son's a pastor. So we started talking about the Lord. And she was telling me how he believes in evolution. And she, he doesn't have a problem with evolution and the Bible coinciding. I'm like, what Bible is he reading? And I started going through Genesis. God created man in his own image. Is God an amoeba? I don't think so. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And we're teaching this false gospel to our, to our kids in school and to giving them another way that the world came about without the creator being involved. That is a lie of the devil and it needs to stop and we need to, be, we need to stand up against it. Can I get an amen? amen? But this is what happens when we don't read the Bible. And she, But we were only half an hour into our flight. She goes, I think I'm done talking to you. I think I'm done talking to you. <laughs> Well, my son, I said, your son's wrong. Your son needs to repent. What's his phone number? I'll call him. You know, I mean, dude, how, are you, how can you be a pastor of a church and think that we, we all evolved from monkeys? Stop it. Amen. God created man in his own image. Other fables men will believe when they're rejected the truth of God's grace. That you must earn your way to heaven. That's a lie. Can I get an amen? Can you earn your way to heaven? If you could earn your way to heaven, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? We, we're not good enough. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. 
We cannot be saved based on our own good. Well, that's a fable. You, we're all gods. There's another fable. There's two undeniable facts. There is a God and you're not him. Amen? And you never will be. Mormon church says you'll be God of your own planet. The God of our planet used to be a man on another planet who was a good enough man. He got to be God of our planet. That's a lie. And that's the same thing that Satan believed when he wanted to be God. Amen? That's a fable. That's a lie. There are many paths to God. Well, just as long as you work your path, as long as you're being spiritual, what is your truth? I'm so sick of all those terms. I'm just living my truth. That's, there's not your truth or my truth. There's the truth. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Amen. And yet we live in a time when we're, oh, just live your truth. I'm just glad you're spiritual. If someone says to me, well, I'm really spiritual. They don't know Jesus when they say that. You don't say, I'm really spiritual. You say, I love Jesus. Can I get an amen? I, I, that's why when I talk about the Lord, I don't say God very much. I say Jesus because God can be anything. But Jesus is the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. Fables refuted by the simple teaching. The word there for fables is muthos, where we get the word myths. And it's a myth. Then final verse there. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But you, in contrast to the people in the previous sentence who turned aside to fables, Timothy was to be even more dedicated to doing what God wanted him to do. Their presence was to make him more dedicated, not more discouraged. Every time I get attacked for, for, for preaching the word, you know what word comes to mind? Charge. You know, it just makes me more more determined to be more faithful to what God has called me to do. Because guys, we need to preach it even if nobody else does. Amen? If we're a voice crying in the wilderness, we need to keep preaching the word of God. We need to never water down the word of God. We need to speak it with boldness, do it in love. But guys, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. And we can't let people, even, it's sad to me that I'm being attacked by as many, much by Christians, even more so than unbelievers who think we're wrong. But if you love people, you would just all go hide in a cave and wait till this is over. No, I love people. I'm more concerned about your eternity than I am even your health. Can I get an amen to that? I want people to go to heaven. Timothy was to be even more dedicated to doing what God wanted him to do. And their presence, again, was not to make him, was to make him more dedicated, not more discouraged. It says, be watchful. The word watchful there is sober, calm, circumspect. Not only was Timothy a pastor and a shepherd to have his eyes wide open to all the wolves who might approach his flock, but it also speaks of the fact that he is to carry on his ministry with seriousness and purpose. Guys, this is serious. This is a matter of eternity. People have gotten saved in this church since COVID started and praise God for that. Amen. People are growing in this fellowship since, and I'm talking about all the churches where the word of God's being taught because guys, we need the word of God. We can't just check out from God for a year and wait for a virus to go away. Amen. Amen. We can't do that. Notice he says there, endure afflictions, endure afflictions. The word in Greek means evil and plus suffering. To suffer evils, hardships, to be afflicted. In the midst of such a perilous time, Timothy was not to be swayed by the persecution and suffering. The greatest example of that is our Savior. 
Faithful to the will of the Father in the midst of the greatest suffering in human history. Paul, the author of this letter, knew a bit about affliction, beatings, stonings, shipwreck, hunger, persecution, up to including his soon-to-be imminent uh, martyrdom as he was going to be put to death. Affliction for Timothy came mostly from a religious crowd that didn't want to hear the truth, but also from Nero's men. So he was being attacked by others, who, the, the, the religious people, and he was being attacked by a lost world, and he was to remain steadfast to his calling in the midst of it. You know, ministry comes both with blessings and afflictions. The reality is that all who desire to live godly, it says, will suffer persecution. If you've never been persecuted, you're not living out loud enough for the Lord. Amen. It's going to happen. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Affliction is a mark of calling, not an excuse for compromise. We're going to finish this up. It says, do the work of an evangelist. We're not all called to be evangelists, but are we all called to evangelize? What's the answer? We're all called to evangelize. Here's the reality. Listen, you interact with some people where you're the only Christian that interacts with them. Amen? Dana was telling me about her hairdresser, who she's been praying for for a long time. And at one point, she was talking about not going back there because she was kind of giving her a hard time. But she went back instead, and God opened a door, and she got to share Jesus with her. Amen? I'm, never, I'm probably never going to meet her hairdresser. Amen? I don't have any hair for her to cut. But the, reality, but the reality is, though, what I'm making is we all, everybody here, you all have a sphere of influence that maybe no other Christian has. And God puts you there to be salt and light to those people. You may be the only Jesus they ever see. And to use those divine appointments, pray for divine appointments and watch what God does. And he says, do the work of an evangelist, which means to point to the fact that, you know, it's Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. His death upon the cross to redeem sinful man back to holy God. And he proved himself to be God when he rose from the dead. So Paul's telling the pastor to equip the saints to preach the word, the whole counsel of God, but also to reach out to the lost. We as a church need to be reaching the lost, discipling the saved. Amen. That's what the word of God commands us to do. And we need to do both of those things. Each and every one of us, no matter what our gifts are, we're called to go through poor into all the world and preach the gospel. The angel at Christ's birth, he said, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Regardless of what our gifts may be, we are to share our faith. Then he says, finally, fulfill your ministry. Don't allow the crowds following the false ministers to tempt you to be swayed from your calling. I have a real heart for pastors. And I, I speak a lot of pastors conferences and things like that. And when I talk to pastors, a lot of them are discouraged because they're teaching the word faithfully in some little town in Nebraska somewhere. And some church down the road is having a petting zoo and the flying Walendas and, you know, and they're, you know, and Bozo the Clowns in the parking lot and they're pack a few Tuesday and everybody gets a free burger. And they got all these people going down there and he gets discouraged. And I encourage him always, bro, you just need to continue what God's called you to do. And God is the one who will bring the increase. Can I get an amen to that? You we're not called to, I would rather, I would rather disciple 50 than entertain 5,000. Amen. We're called to make disciples, learners. How do we do that? Don't allow the crowds 
following the false manage to tempt you to being swayed from your calling. But be faithful to do what God has called you to do. Be faithful to proclaim the truth of God's word and do it with great boldness. Guys, we're not to water down the message so it's easier to be heard, but we're to preach the truth of God word with boldness. May we live in light of eternity, not swayed by the fear of men, but be faithful to the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who died in our place to redeem us from our sin. He has risen, he's coming back, and he will judge every one of us at his appearing. I think always about standing again, but as I said before, before the Lord, and I will be accountable to him. And as I Every time I get up to teach God's word, or every time I'm in a counseling session, or every time I'm talking to one of you on the phone, I want to make sure that you know how much the Lord loves you, that you know how much I love you. Do you know that the word of God is true and, and love you enough to bring correction and rebuke if necessary? Because guys, those who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Can I get an amen to that? Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit convicts you? Doesn't he give you the Holy Spirit head slap and bring you back? Right? That's how it feels for me. To bring you back over. What are you, uh, what are you doing? What are you, hey, come back. Right? And praise God because we would get so far off track, wouldn't we? Guys, that's why we need to be in the Word. That's what, and you know what else? Again, I love the Lord more today than I ever have. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I know I'm going to love Him even more than I love Him today. Because the more time I spend with Him, the more that I love Him. Can I get an amen? So, Living for the Lord in the last days. Stand for the truth. Preach the word with boldness, even as those around you turn their ears away to follow a lie. Be ready in just two seasons. In season and out of season. When it's popular, when it's not. When people want to hear it and when they don't. Be faithful to teach it. Be faithful to proclaim the truth. Uh, be watchful. Endure afflictions. Don't let the enemy use temporal suffering to keep you from preaching or sharing the eternal truth. Amen? This is but light affliction when compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Whatever struggles we have in this life are nothing compared to seeing what God can do for eternity if we will just be faithful. Do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to share our faith. Pray for divine appointments. Can I challenge you? Pray for divine appointments every day this week and see what God does. Lord, give me a chance to share my faith today. I pray it every day, and he answers it every day. And when you pray it, you're looking for it. You're sensitive to it. Amen? And then finally, fulfill your ministry. Whatever you're called to do, praise God for Tom and Roger and all the other guys who are involved with the Gideons are being faithful to their ministry. Praise God for our worship team. Praise God for our sound team. Praise God for people who bring refreshments so we hang out in fellowship. Praise God for the people that hand out the bulletins. Praise God for the, the people that are teaching our children's ministry right now. Praise God for the people that edit our radio program. Praise God for those of you who give so we can, be, we can do ministry in all these different places. Guys, as we're faithful to do what God has called us to do, when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Amen? So next week, we'll finish up looking at the rest of Paul's final words. But I want to say this to all of you. Keep me accountable. If I ever sway from teaching the whole counsel of God, if you ever feel like I'm teaching more of my opinion than what the word of God says, I, I encourage you, call me out. Can I get an amen to that? Please hold me accountable because I'm just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. We thank you for the challenge we see today, which is right on time for the time we're living in, living for the Lord in the last days. What's it like to live for you in the midst of persecution from the world? 
We don't even know what persecution is in this country compared to the rest of the world. We're not fearing being fed to lions or set on fire. We're just feared maybe getting a fine or having a neighbor that's not happy with us. Lord, I pray, help us to be loving, to be gracious, never to be self-righteous, but always, Lord, to point people to the truth, the truth of the gospel, the true and living Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, Almighty God. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said...